Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is August the 14th, and our passage for today is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. When I was just a boy, there were two stories I remember from my childhood in going to the United Methodist Church in Riceville, Tennessee. It was one of three Methodist churches that lay on the charge of the pastor. This church had a pastor, and his name I've written about in blogs before, by the name of Johnny Farmer. Johnny Farmer went on to work with the Navy as a chaplain and is retired now. But he came in the 1959 to Soto, Got my two brothers and I picked us up and took us to Sunday school and vacation Bible school. I can tell you it was the first time I ever heard the name of Jesus. And I remember the first story that was told me by a lady by the name of Minnie Hale. Her brother Earl ran the service station, the Shell service station in the little town where I grew up. And Miss Minnie told us the story of Jesus and his disciples mending their nets after being out fishing. And Jesus came by and said, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And I just marveled at that story and got in my little mind that they would have been just like robots. I thought that was the first time they had ever met Jesus because it was the way it was presented. It was like that they had never seen him and he just walked by and I almost looked at it as magical. It seemed so amazing to me. The reason I'm telling you this is because the same thing is true of Zacchaeus. Miss Minnie taught us a song about Jesus making them fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men, fishers of men. Uh, Yes, fishers of men, I will make you fishers of men if you'll only follow me. And uh, she had sign motions with it. And some of you right now that are listening to this podcast are singing that in your head right now because you remember it yourself. Well, that was one story. But there was another one that was almost as amazing to me. That week in Bible school, she talked about Zacchaeus that he was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. She taught us another song. Now, just think about this. I was six years old, and I remember these songs to this day, and I'm amazed at how quickly we have turned from the great stories of the Bible to uh, character studies, to teaching what they would teach in a secular school about being good and those kinds of things, and all of these curricula that have various things but leave out the Bible. I'll tell you, our children need to hear Bible stories, and if they're taught Without technology or anything else, we have all the technology, but all she had was a picture, and it wasn't even a good one. It was faded. Had a picture of these disciples. I'm not sure now that it would have been accurate to what it would have looked like, but it gave me a picture in my mind. There wasn't a lot of technology, wasn't anything going on, no bells and whistles, just teaching the Bible stories. But I still remember those 60 years later. 
One of those, again, is Zacchaeus, and it was the same thing. It was like Jesus had probably never met Zacchaeus before. We don't have any backstory to this. But I want to read through this and uh, because we are entering into the closing hours and days of Jesus' ministry. And so I want to center in on what he did on people. And so the scripture says, Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now, you must remember that Jericho was the lowest city on earth. That's right. If it's not the oldest city, it's one of the oldest cities in the world. It's one of the first ones mentioned in the Bible, and it had been around a long time when it was mentioned in the Bible. And uh, it was an oasis. There are many springs that come out at the bottom of that Syrian-African rift where the Dead Sea is. Jericho is about, I would say, 800, 850 feet below sea level, below the Mediterranean. And uh, you can actually see portions of it from the Mount of Olives, which is uh, 2,700 feet above sea level. You go on down another um, 500 feet and you're at the Dead Sea because it is a downhill slide all the way from Jerusalem down to the Dead Sea because it's part of the great Syrian-African rift. It is a place where there is fresh water and it gets very hot down there in the summertime, but palm trees grow. As a matter of fact, it was called the city of the palm trees in the Bible. They were so plentiful and that would have been date palms, by the way, not coconut palms or any other kind, but date palms because that was a precious commodity in the ancient world. And so Zacchaeus was there in Jericho. He was a resident. Now, it says there was a man named Zacchaeus, and it gives his profession. He was a chief, a head tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. He was a very small man. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today. I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. When they saw it, that is the crowd, they all complained, saying he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Now imagine that, Jesus seeking out sinners. Now, of course, I'm being facetious because he came to seek and to save that which is lost, which he will say in a passage just coming up. But I want us to go back because this is very important and I think instructive for all of us in these podcasts to remind ourselves of some basics. Now, before I have told you that the Bible is written episodically, that means it's written in episodes. Remember, the Bible is not a movie script. It doesn't tell us interstage right, interstage left. Jesus did this. Jesus did that. Sometimes it does. For instance, it says here that he looked up into the tree and uh, said, we don't know that if he motioned, if he did anything like that, no, no script is given. And so the Bible is incomplete in details. We know that because many things Jesus did, backstories that we don't know about. Why? Because every Bible writer from Moses to John assumed, every Bible writer assumed that the people to whom they were writing understood the language, of course, the history, the geography, the cultural uh, customs of the day, but also the backstory. And I don't talk much about that, but we need to. And let me use the two illustrations that we have before us that I've spoken of and add one more. When Jesus went by to say to Andrew, Peter, and the sons of Zebedee, James and John, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, that was not their first meeting. 
Now, people say, well, how do you know that? Well, it just doesn't happen like that. Life doesn't happen like that. But the Bible is filled with clues. Now, think about it. Andrew, who was the brother of Peter, they were religious Jews, remember. Peter was a religious man. Matthew was there at the baptism of Jesus. Now, it says that clearly in the Bible. And they asked, where are you staying? And Jesus said, come and see. And so they knew one another. And it was Andrew that went and got Peter and said, come and see. We have found Mashiach. We have found Messiah. So they all knew one another. That meeting on the shore of the Sea of Galilee was not their first meeting. They probably knew one another. They may have fished together. They had been together. Jesus' headquarters was in Capernaum, and that's where Peter lived. And he was a beside a boy, but he had married someone that had a home there in Capernaum because we know that's where his mother-in-law was and in his own home where she was staying. Well, he was from Bethsaida, the house of the hunter. That's what Bethsaida means. What they were hunting were fish, of course, and not wild game. And so all to say all of these things, everybody knew that. Think about this. Why would would Jesus already know his name? You say, well, he's God. He knows everything. Of course he does. But Jesus doesn't do that very often. And uh, he does that only for emphasis. And uh, here, this is just the normal course of a conversation. Could it be that he already had heard about Zacchaeus? He already knew about Zacchaeus. He had already arranged uh, that he was going to go to his house that day. We don't know that, but we do know this. This was not the first tax collector that he dealt with. One of the notable tax collectors that probably had his tax station at Capernaum because of the gospel narrative, his name was Matthew, and no telling how many times that Jesus had talked with him before one day he said, Matthew, why don't you come on and follow me? I'd love for you to come and have a part with me. And Matthew left his career with the Roman government, with the procurator that he would have been assigned to, perhaps Antipas, uh, the son of Herod, because he was in his district. All I'm telling you is this, that Jesus knew Matthew. They had talked many times. I believe probably it was Matthew to whom they paid tribute with the coin that was caught in the fish's mouth that Jesus had told Peter to go and get and to pay someone. Who was that? It was probably Matthew, because I personally believe from the storyline of Scripture that indeed he lived in the vicinity of Capernaum. Now, why would I say that? Because historians say that from Bethsaida, that's where the Jordan River runs into the Sea of Galilee. It's the northernmost entrance of the Sea of Galilee, where it all begins, to down below Tiberias, there were 10 tax stations. In other words, there were major cities along the way, major bottlenecks where people would have uh, tax stations so they could catch traffic going all ways. One of those would have been Capernaum. One of those would have been Magdala. No doubt in my mind about that, because it was at a fork where the Ganesh Nesseret Valley began at the foot of Mount Arbel. It was just at the trailhead where it emptied out to the Gennesaret Valley from Nazareth in the cities of the lower Galilee. It was the road to Damascus. And so Matthew would have been a very well-known tax collector. Now, why is that important? 
because tax collectors knew other tax collectors, just like they do today. Could it have been that Matthew on the way down, we don't know, but I'm just postulating this for you. Could it have been that that he said, Lord, while we're there, I know a guy, we were in a seminar together. They had us all in to try to teach us. Uh, Who knows? Zacchaeus may have been his mentor. His name is Zacchaeus, and uh, we can stay with him. He's got a big house. He's, he's got more money than Quakers got oats. So we could probably stay with him while we're in the Jericho area ministry. And Matthew may have worked that out, and he may have described him to Jesus and said, he's just a short guy, and if he sees you, he'll have to get up in a fig tree somewhere. By the way, that's what a sycamore tree was. It was a sycamore fig. It comes from the word that uh, relates to a fig tree and to a mulberry tree. And so it was probably a white mulberry or a sycamore. And so they have big branches. These big fig trees do. They have huge branches. They're easy to climb. Even I could climb one. This is where Zacchaeus was. It gave him a a good view. It wasn't that high. Jesus could have just looked up uh, just above eye level and seen him sitting on one of those limbs. And he said, Zacchaeus, uh, oh, that's that's Zacchaeus, we're going to your house today. And while he was there, no doubt Matthew had been talking about him. You say, well, now you're just making this up. Well, no, I'm not just making it up. It is an educated guess because, you see, all discipleship in the Bible is relational. Why would this be anything different? So on some of these things, uh, it's not recorded because it's assumed everyone would know. Everyone would know. And certainly Matthew had was a tax collector. He knew of Zacchaeus more than likely because he was a very wealthy man. He had done well. So whatever the case was, here was another tax collector. That was not a coincidence. Uh, Jesus calling him by name. And we have no record of them meeting before. And uh, saying, I I've got to stay at your house tonight. And so Zacchaeus got down. It was like, oh, man, he's coming to my house. No, he was ready for him to come. And he came down and received him joyfully. Now, that looks like that's all just uh, spasmodic. I do not believe that is. I do not believe it's spontaneous. I don't believe it's just a knee jerk. And he's having some kind of spasmic uh, reaction at all. I believe that... Indeed, there was a relationship already going on there to some degree. And uh, the people didn't like it because they hated these tax collectors. They were afraid of them. They would steal from them. They would take more than the percentage that they should. So Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord at his house, he said, Lord, look, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, in other words, I've told them they owe this and they don't, I'll restore fourfold. Well, that was double the requirement that was called for in Jewish life. And so this man was serious. In other words, he brought forth fruit that showed he was serious in repenting before God and starting a brand new life. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because also he's the son of Abraham. And Jesus came first to the Jew for the son of man has come to seek and save that which is lost. Jesus, why did you come? 
I came to seek and save that which is lost. You say, well, I really don't need saving. Well, then you haven't understood that you're lost. Jesus came to save sinners. You say, well, I'm not a sinner. Well, then you can't come to Jesus because he died for the ungodly. You say, well, I don't feel I'm ungodly. Well, then you can't be saved. Jesus only saves sinners and people who realize they're sinners. Jesus only saves the ungodly, those people who know they're ungodly. If you think you're righteous and you don't need Jesus, you'll never turn to him. If you think you're not a sinner and you're not in need of a savior, then you will never turn to him. Zacchaeus really had a change in attitude that resulted in a change of life and direction. You see, if it's in your heart, it'll come out in the way you act. Zacchaeus is a great example of that. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at tonycrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.